We'll read. I want to take you. We just prayed, so I'm gonna. We're gonna. We'll we'll pray to close. Um, I want to take you to one place first. As as we pursue this, I'm gonna try to do the last three stops in this tonight, so we finish this up, and I start a brand new study next week, which is what my plan had been, and hopefully I'll be able to do that. The first stop, though, is in the 21st verse of the third chapter of the book of Proverbs. If you'll go there with me, I want to make three points because I think this kind of transcends what we're talking about tonight. When we talk about being able to to know the truth and to be able to defend the truth, and I don't mean um, Aubrey, I don't mean street preaching necessarily, unless that's what what uh, someone's called to. I mean specifically in your classroom, um, among your family. Do you, I mean? In the course of our daily lives, if it's something we, Joseph, we have to schedule for another place, it, it really seems to be almost kind of foreign to the, to the major themes of the Scriptures. In that these people were everyday evangelists. They were everyday missionaries. They were not scheduling a trip once a year to go someplace and do something. It was simply who they were, Mike, and they lived that daily. All right? So when we talk about that, we understand that is true, that that we're going to need the first topic tonight, wisdom. We're going to need that wisdom to be able to go into the families, into our our families, into the lives of our neighbors, and to be able to do what God's calling us to do in terms of truth. Just to be bold about the truth. To be insistent and loving with the truth. We have to do that at the same time. I realize tonight, just standing here, how many of us probably need wisdom in just this variety of ways. Glenda, evangelism missions aren't the only time we don't know where to turn. Alright? We seldom, if you're like me, I most of the time have to admit that I have no clue what to do next. Right, Russ? I mean, I'm not making up as I go. I'm praying and begging along the way. And I still, it's not like God reveals His plan to me years down the road. It's minutes ahead, right? It's almost turn left here. It's almost like driving directions. And that I'm not, I'm not, I wish I was one of those people that had to, everything's figured out. And I don't, I need wisdom. And I know you need wisdom too in your lives. And when you need wisdom in dealing with a family member, it is... It's no less of a need to, to need wisdom in dealing with a family member than it is to need it for missions and evangelism. You need it. We just need it. So I want to talk about wisdom for just a second. I want to read uh, 3, beginning of verse 21, of, of Proverbs chapter 3, beginning of verse 21. Um, Mo, uh, excuse me. Solomon writes, My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and there will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. So I'm going to take that and I'm going to walk you through it a little bit more. But I'm going to summarize the first point of this by saying, simply put, that sound wisdom is Christian flourishing. That's what it is. When I'm wise and I have sound Christian wisdom, then I grow and my life is prosperous. When I don't, I tend to make trouble for myself. Now, I know... We've all, we're all old enough in this room to, to come to that realization that at some point, maybe recently, we were our own worst enemy. 
We didn't need somebody else tripping us up because we were stepping on our own shoelaces. Right? We couldn't stay out of the way of our own victory in Christ. We just couldn't do it. I've been there. I probably have been there recently. And I'll undoubtedly be there again. We are human beings, Shay, and we're deeply flawed and we're very broken. And, and God doesn't expect perfection from us. He expects, as, as a friend of mine said, the only thing He expects perfect from us is perfect obedience. Just do what He says. So, so if, if sound wisdom is Christian flourishing, we want some of that. And look how He describes it in verse 22. And there will be life for your soul. Now, let's, let's take that in the interim, I mean in the, in the temporal, and let's extend it in an everlasting way, as we should with every promise of God. It is life right now. Now, I'm going to say this to you, not in any way of poking somebody, you know, because you might be having a bad day. I don't know. As far as I know, you're all having a bad day. Alright? So, if this bothers some, I apologize. There's a difference between Christian living and existing in Christ. Drawing breath. I've been through those days. I know you have too, right? Where you were making it. Miss Diane, your heart was beating and your lungs were drawing in air and 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 you were your brain was working, but you were there was it was joyless. It was tough. You have to think of reasons to get up every day. Everybody in this room has been through that, right? Everybody's been through that. And I'll be honest with you, in Christ. This is not the malady of a lost person. Everyone can be victim of this. And there's days when it's just not, you're just not, you don't, you just don't have that deep joy that that gives you that energy in your bones, right? He promises it is life for our soul, and I will take that to mean both nanny now, now, through wisdom of God. And later too. So now, right now, Katie, I can have that wisdom that brings joy and flourishing into my bones. I can have that. And I also have eternal life. And I think the reason I'm making that distinction, and Mike, it's not a giant distinction. It's a very, it's a very preachy distinction. Oftentimes, we'll live a life in Christ as if heaven is the... It's, well, well you know, I'm miserable now, but it'll be okay in heaven. As if God somehow is glorified if I'm miserable. Somehow God's happier as long as I'm really suffering down here. It doesn't mean that Christian suffering isn't a real thing. It means sometimes I believe we exist in situations of what I'll call self-imposed suffering. It can be submitted to prayer. It can be... It can be counseled through. We can seek help from our friends. We can, we can go to the church and, and receive healing. All these things are possible. And somehow we think we're supposed to be this trooper. Do you know what I mean? Be this trooper and just manage. Well, I'll tell you. I've been a pastor for more than 20 years. I've been a daddy for 25 years. I've been a husband for almost 30 years now. Now, that's a long time, but it's a pretty good amount of time. Okay, Karen? Pretty decent. I'm not exactly a newcomer. I'm not a newlywed. All right. All that stuff is incredibly hard. 
Alright? All that stuff is really, really, really hard. And more often, Mike, you've got a hundred kids. <laughs> Not really, but close. Hey, Mike? <laughs> She's got some hidden. Here's the thing, Mike. Sears Heart Attack. Here's the thing. How often do you really know what to do with those kids? I'm still looking for the manual. I'm saying what? Dude, join the club. Here's the thing. And then once I learn what to do, it's because they don't do that anymore. Right? And now they got some new way of making you want to jump in the volcano, right? And but you didn't know that was coming. Just when you figure them out, they grow more and they don't get better. They get bad in different ways. Russ? laughing. It's right. It's just right. And so here's the thing. If you're waiting for this day where you figure out your marriage, you figure out your kids, you figure out your job, it's the day they give you the gold watch. Right? Because I'll be honest with you, I, as one now I can say, grandparenting's easy. You know why? I've done all that. I got that stuff. We don't ever panic. There's never a day we panic. You know why? Because we've done all this before. We, this is the second go-round. We got this. We understand it when it's too late. It's too late for me to raise my own. I figured it all out. Way late. That's, that's who we are. That's who we are as people. We're always, Lucas, we're always grasping. And we're always overwhelmed. And we're always lost. Always. Always. And just when you figure out little man, he's going to start doing new stuff. Just a little tidbit. Now, this is not to pick on because they're, they're you know, we love them. And this is, this is, we love our young families. But here's the thing. Buddy, all of mine did this. No, yours did it. When you finally get them sleeping through the night, then about two, they decide they want to get up all over again. <laughs> Just when you think your life is really going to get substantively better. It goes crazy all over again, right? I don't know why. I do not know why they did that stuff. Just when you finally get some sleep. The only thing you've wanted for two years, right, is sleep. Free. You won't sleep. They don't get it. We never have the answer to anything. We're always struggling for the answers. And, and we need our Lord so much because we need, we need wisdom. We need to know what to do. Because we're always overwhelmed. And I think the only thing that gets in our way, now listen to me, is this. Is that we don't need to act like we've got any answers. And we don't need to belittle people who don't have the answers. I've told you all before, old, uh, old war horses like me, the worst thing in the world you can do to parents is say, you know, mine never did, mine never acted like that. Yeah, they did. Your body may have exuded some chemical that caused you to forget how bad your child was. They were all terrible. And they all had their mother back there laughing. Hey, look, even the best kid has their moments, don't they? Their moments. Even the best kid you want to kill every once in a while. I mean, that is just life. It is just life. We never, we just never, 
we never hold it together. So we need, I think what I need to do is, is if for the, for the ones in here that are younger in life than I am, I need to show my vulnerability and I need to give you hope. This is what, you know what? You'll make it through. And for those older than me, you who are older than me, do the same thing for me. All right? Because the stunts my kids are pulling now, yours pulled years ago. All right? And so in every way we're broken, we need to make sure we know there's somebody behind us who's watching us who we can encourage and there's somebody ahead of us that we can look to for an example. Now I'm going to get to that point last, but that's a really, really vital point. The next, the adornment of the neck, then he said, then you'll walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. That's what I want in terms of wisdom. That's the goal is that I'm tired of stepping on stuff. I'm tired of tripping. All right. I want wisdom to illuminate my path in that way. But then there's a couple more stops. If that's the first one, sound wisdom is, is flourishing. Then two, sound wisdom comes from Christ. And this is source. If we want wisdom. In fact, our Lord says this in Proverbs 8.14. He says, I, He's speaking, I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. So when we don't know what to do, when whereas James says someone lacks wisdom, let them pray with nothing, with no wavering, then that's what we need to do. Right now, if we don't know what to do, then we know exactly what to do, and that is pray to our God, because all wisdom comes from Him. Why? Think of it logically. Why would an infinite and everlasting God, perfect and intricate in all of His plans, Leave me so stupid. So clueless. About everything that matters. Why would he do that? Is it an, is it a, an oversight? No. At the heart of his infinite, intricate, delicate plan is for me to call to him. At heart... He wants me to ask Him what to do. He wants to empower my prayer with the futility that the, that the entire creation has been subjected to. That I have to drive away the ignorance by calling out to the everlasting God with knowledge and promise from Scripture that He's listening and that He answers. I'm closer to my God because I'm dumb. If I were smart and I had answers, I'd have no reason to look heavenward, would I? I'd never bend my knee. I wouldn't have to, Russ. I'd know what to do. But because I'm so clueless, God's got me always calling out to Him. Always calling out to Him. The counsel, the sound wisdom, the insight, the strength, all of it belongs to God. All of it's His. If I want it, where do I go? I've got to go to God. Now, understand this. This this is not a hybrid of my way and God's way. This is not me praying my stubborn will into God's plan. It doesn't work that way. When I go to God for counsel, when I go to Him for strength, when I go to Him for wisdom, He is oftentimes going to say to me things that I am opposed to. He's going to want me to do things that I do not want to do. He's going to want me to think and feel things that I refuse to think and feel. The reality is this, I can't have the wisdom without having the truth. Do you understand what I'm saying here? I'm not going to go to Him for solace. I'm not going to go to Him to feel better about myself. Glenda, I'm going to Him for Him to tell me what to do. And oftentimes He's going to tell me to do things I don't want to do. And He doesn't care. 
Because I came to him for truth, and truth is what will set me free. Truth is the thing that will make me better, and I need it right now. But then finally, three. Three. Sound wisdom comes to us from Christ by way of the family of God. Okay? In Proverbs 18.1, Solomon writes, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. And that, I think this is the part that thrills me the most. Just exactly what we talked about just a few minutes ago. I just got so overwhelmed by it. I just had to say it. And that is the idea. Now listen to me. That wisdom is found from Christ through this body of believers. Feeble as it can seem, um, disconnected as we can seem, sometimes scattered as we are during the day. The reality is God wants to bless us with wisdom by a relationship with God's people. Isolation produces, Joseph, my own desire. If I'm in isolation, Kimberly, and I'm trying to figure things out myself, who am I going to agree with? Tony. Tony sounds great by himself. Tony is a chorus of one, sounds literally like the greatest choir ever. So smart by myself. I start to find how dumb I am when I start talking to other people. And realize I never thought of that, and I never thought of that, and I never thought of that, and I certainly never thought of that thing over there. That when we bring these things out and we talk to each other, and we're, Roger, we're intimate in each other's lives, there, there's a refining to that. We, we, get to, we get to learn from each other. That God wants to bless us with the generations of the church. Now, now that's why, Shay, every generation is important. That's why from Rudy's generation down to Jack's generation, they're all important. They all matter. Okay? Because all the generations matter. Because somebody's always feeding somebody else. And the guy who's the young kid right now is going to be the old guy one of these days, right? That, that relationship among the church grows us. But now, there, there's a, a limit to it. What do you think the limit is? If, if, God uses, if God uses the community of the church, the family of God, this community of faith here, and our relationships with each other to grow us in wisdom, there, there's a very simple arrangement that they can't go wrong. Actually, we've got to listen to each other. If you come to me, if Buddy comes to me as my brother in Christ, but also a, a, an elder in this church, a leader in this church, and he, and, he, and, he, and he speaks to me about something, then I need to listen. Okay? I need to listen. And I can't be prideful about it. And if I go to Lucas, and, and Lucas is younger than I am, and younger in the faith than I am, and I talk to Lucas as his pastor, it doesn't mean that I have to, you're not going to tuck me around your shoulders or anything like that, Lucas. I don't mean that. But what I mean is, then, then Lucas needs to listen. You know why? Because that's the way it works. That's how we grow. We need to listen to each other. And when, when Lucas goes and he speaks to someone who, who's younger than him or even someone who's older than him and, and he goes in faith after much prayer to speak to him, that man, we need to listen. If I think there's one problem that you have when you're in, a, in that counseling relationship with people is that you start to realize how little people really listen in a counseling relationship. You know, when I've done marriage counseling, I haven't done some. It's been a while. It's probably been a couple of years since I did any substantive marriage counseling. I always had just a couple of rules. One of those rules was it was free. I don't charge anybody a dime for it. I don't care how much I have to do it. I don't charge anybody a dime for it. I just don't. I'm not going to charge any money. And, and the, the second one was I only do it for an hour because anything post an hour is me watching people fight. And i got no desire to do that. 
Okay? But the third one is the most important one, which is essentially, don't lie to me. If I talk and, and you're listening, take it to heart. Because I'm doing this for free and I'm doing this for you. I'm not doing this because I've received anything from it. All I get out of it is the fact that you're going to listen. Because there's so many relationships out there that are their counseling base in which we go to each other and we want to we want to we want to find help, and then somebody tells you and we don't listen. We do we often do just what we planned on. Now the reason why I don't do as much marriage counseling before is I started to realize that there were a lot of people that were using that counseling relationship kind of to satisfy somebody else. That'd make mama happy. That'd make daddy happy. If you're going to come and sit down with somebody and they're going to pray over it and they're going to really try to help you, listen to what they say. Now, that's, this comparing it to marriage is, 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 isn't the only stop here. That goes with every single one of us. If I sit down and I talk to Russ about something and, and Russ shares his heart with me and, and, and I, I need to listen, Russ. I need to take it seriously. If there's one thing that holds us back is the fact that people tend to, and this is, this is a bad way to put it, but I think it's probably the best way that I think I can explain it is that a lot of people really don't listen. What do they do? They wait for their turn to talk. And so, if that relationship with us is going to work, then it has to work based on that mutuality of, 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 of communication. Was it if I sit down with Mike to counsel, and after great prayer, I share my heart with Mike, then Mike... Take heed. Go under the assumption that God has inspired that. Whether it's Mike to me or you to me, it doesn't matter. Go under the assumption that God's inspired. If it's biblically sound, God has inspired it. Okay, now let me look at... I, I didn't make it as far as I wanted to. I want to look at one point left on ours and then we'll be finished. Just about, just about five minutes, probably. In uh, our third point... No, the truth. I, I thank you for bearing with me with that sort of addendum, but it was just something that got laid on my heart all of a sudden, and it felt like I needed to give it to you. Um, in, in number three here, at the end of those notes that we've been working on for a while, the Apostle writes in Colossians 2.8, See to it that no one takes you captive by, by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So if we talk about the truth, uh, Miss Diane, one of the big roadblock road stops along this that we're going to emphasize, and that is this notion right here, is that true knowledge of the truth is not arguing about the traditions of men are tiny, idiosyncratic aspects of theology. Theology does divide. There's no doubt about that. The, uh, theology divides, and it's, in many ways it's intended to do so. But theology was not meant to be divisive. We weren't meant to argue about little things. We were meant to be brought together, to be blunt with you, by the big things. The big things ought to matter the most. Look, our ministry of the gospel of the world is one of consistency and bold, powerful declaration. It's what it is. And not trifling over minor points or engaging in warm rationalizations. We don't go out and just argue for the sake of argument. There's a lot of people out there who claim to represent, who claim to represent Christ who really, to be honest with you, have devolved into name callers. We just don't call names. We don't do that. 
Is there heresy out there? Absolutely, Joseph, there's heresy. But you know what? We'd be better to be really, really cautious before we call somebody a heretic. We'd really know what we're talking about. We better have studied and prayed, and we better be absolutely sure. There needs to be a generosity of spirit in God's people. And I tell you what, when we're out there haggling over tiny little things, I guarantee you there's an arrogance and not a generosity of spirit. God called us to have a generous spirit. To be understanding. And neither would we do with, with warm rationalizations. We don't rationalize either. We're not, we're not the Pharisees who during the, during the Babylonian period, during the time of the Mishnah, when, the, uh, when the, the Sabbath journey would barely stretch across a, a village, went back and, and, and rationalized and, and interpreted and rewrote, and before long the Sabbath journey was miles. All they did was become lawyers for people who wanted to break the law. Now we're not that either. We're not looking to justify any man's behavior. And we're not looking to justify any man or any woman's misbehavior either. We're simply not allowed to do that. The Bible condemns what it condemns and it embraces what it embraces. And there isn't, there isn't void space there. There isn't slack in that. We neither add to it nor we take away from it. That is our goal. Believers stand for the simple gospel. The simple gospel. Now, when I say that, when I read that one today, that one confronted me. And I'll tell you why. Because I'm, I'm not really... I can fall in my preaching into being a smarty pants. Okay? And what I mean is, go quote a bunch of experts and all this kind of stuff. And, and look up and it gets kind of professorial when I don't really have the degree. I don't really have the credentials to do that. I think it's a byproduct, Brother Buddy, of just studying a lot. When you study a lot and you read a lot, it's gonna, you're going to do that. Um, whether I have the degree or not, eventually I kind of become like those guys just from spending decades and decades studying a book. Decades and decades doing it. And reading everything I can find. But it's been, I've been accosted before with, won't you just preach the gospel? And what they really mean is, is, why don't you just do it my way? Now, that's a dangerous place for preachers to be. All right? I need to care about what you think, and I need to pray about what you think, and I need to love you, but I really don't need to fall into a situation where Joseph tells me what to preach. Because definitely the Holy Spirit is in charge of telling me what to preach. As much as I love and respect Joseph, Joseph's not qualified to tell me and I'm not qualified to listen. The bottom line. Neither one of us is qualified in that situation. The fact of the matter is, it is also an asinine notion that I would ever come here and preach the gospel and somehow leave out what some great man of God who resides in heaven now has said about it. I was looking at my sermon for Sunday, and there's a Billy Graham quote right in the middle of it. Do you mean to tell me I'm not to walk and not to not able to walk into a Baptist church and say what Billy Graham said? Who's got that much guts to say that? It's crazy talk, right? It can be too much. There's no doubt about it. But the fact of the matter is, the simple gospel isn't always isn't necessarily a care and uncomplicated. Because there's some aspects of the gospel, like the Trinity is part of the gospel. And it's hard to understand the Trinity, isn't it? We've been struggling for a thousand years to understand the Trinity. Christians have. 
It's a hard thing to understand the Trinity. Just because it's simple, it doesn't make it uncomplicated. And every word which the Scriptures declare concerning salvation understood within the context of the entire Scripture. But that's the final one. It's the final thing as we close. is the idea that, that as we start to study the Gospel, and I mean, Stephen, the simple Gospel, we realize that the simple Gospel is preached from Genesis to Revelation. We realize that for that person who wants to really get ready, I mean, really, really, Mr. Lord, get ready to go out and preach and, and share the gospel with the world, it is the entire Bible that is our text. And not just John 3.16 or Romans 10. It is the entire Bible. And so there's, there's work to be done in that. Let's pray together. Father God, I love you and I thank you. I ask you, please God, to bless me, Lord, that I said what, I, what you, what you have, have sent me to say, Father God, and that I said it, God, in a way that is not... Um, I know, God, it was, it was less formal than usual. And Father God, I pray, God, that it wasn't, um, it wasn't less than it should be. But I pray, Father God, that it was faithful. That's what I want is faithfulness, Father God. I pray, Father God, that I preached faithfully and your people heard faithfully, Father God, and that we can now act faithfully. That's what I'm asking for now, God. I know we need wisdom in this room. I need it so badly, Father God. So much of the time, God, I have no idea what to do about the easiest things. Father God, please, I pray... Pour wisdom into me and into your people. May we act with wisdom, Father God. May we understand the depth of wisdom, Father. And may we always seek it first in you, Father God, but also receive it from each other. Father God, I thank you for this church more than anything else, Father God. I thank you for the support structure that is the church. In fact, Father God, we have so many places to turn in this building and in this church right now, Father, to those who will help us and love us, Father. No one, God, is condemned. Because everyone in this room, Father God, is walking in the footprints of someone else who's gone before. Everyone in this room, Father God, is following someone who failed just as miserably as we are, Father. So I pray for that now, Father God. I pray for each and every one of us, Lord, that we will always rely on you, Father God, and never turn our backs, Father. In the name of Christ, I pray.